0: Good morning, everyone. How are we? Good, good. I would love to start, if we could, with a little imaginative exercise. Do we have the energy for that this morning? Good. Half of you do, and that's good enough for me. So imagine for a minute that you are a peasant living under an oppressive royal regime. The monarchs are corrupt, and the laws are unjust and unfair to you and your family. The king is crippling your people through taxation. Your property is seized without justification. You can hardly imagine a worse situation. But you've got aspiration. Very quickly, you and your fellow peasants reach a point where you just can't take it anymore. The time has come for revolution. So you call a meeting. You gather forces, you go to war against the establishment, you stick it to the man, and best of all, you win. Now it is time for you to establish your kingdom. And from your new seat of power, you decide that things are going to be different from now on. You decide that no longer will we have a financial system that makes the rich more rich and the poor more poor, but we will build a system that is true and fair for all people. No longer will the darkness of corruption run your government, but you will build a system of uprightness and integrity where instead of working for their own benefit, the leaders truly work for the benefit of the people. This is the birth of a new kingdom. This is the birth of an entirely new way of living, and you believe that it will be a light to the world for how to run a just and good society. And it all goes well for a while. But then one day, you're attacked by a neighboring kingdom, and a large portion of your city is destroyed in the battle. And so in order to rebuild, you decide to raise taxes, and amidst the frustration, you do your best to remain fair and just to everyone, but eventually the voices of the powerful business owners and the military leaders and even the heads of the church, those voices, they get louder and louder, and eventually you begin to bow to their pressure. You begin to make promises to the powerful, which causes you to break promises to the people Lies begin to pollute, fear begins to rule, and the preservation of your own power becomes more prevalent than the promotion of peace, justice, and love. And even though you started with the best of intentions, even though you did everything you could to do things in a new way, the right way, before long, you actually become the kingdom that you originally rebelled against. You are actually consumed by the same darkness that you sought to drive out, and it won't be long before a new people come along and rebel against you, and your kingdom will fall. Welcome to church, everyone. (laughs) Now, when I was telling you that last story, what came to mind for you? Like what time in history were you thinking of? What places, what faces, who came to mind for you? What people, what rulers, what names? Was it Rome or Russia? The Ottoman Empire or the Akkadian Empire? Was it ancient Mongolia? Was it China? Was it Persia or was it Sparta? Was it Egypt or Israel? Enron or Pan Am? Was it Britain in the 1620s, Germany in the 1920s, or maybe us in the 2020s? You see, the reality is, there's plenty that we could choose from. Really, this story could have been any of those stories and many, many more. Why? Well, because in many ways, this story is the human story, But in order for us to tell the human story, we actually have to start at the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty, and then what's the next word? Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. So in the beginning, on page one of the bible god creates a good very good world on the opening pages of scripture what we read is the birth of creation and on creation's first day out of darkness god creates light and then on down the list right skies seas trees sun moon stars animals chick-fil-a the chicago bears god created it all and it was all good Or at least the bears are good like half the time, you know. And God's finishing touch to all of creation, his finishing touch was the creation of us, humankind, in his own image. The end of the opening chapter of Genesis, it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Then what does it say? Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You see, with this language of rule, what God is doing is God is establishing his kingdom. In other words, God is establishing his rule and reign over all of creation, and God has decided to enact that rule through human beings here on earth. Birth, light, kingdom these are the defining characteristics of the good, very good world that God created. This was meant to be a place for life, a place for light, and a place where God is in charge. This was the human story. Was. But of course, on page three, There is a decisive turn in our story that will change everything forever. We turn to Genesis 3. The opening of Genesis 3 tells us this story. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. When the woman, and then what's the next word? When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. I want us to notice the difference between this account in Genesis 3 and the opening account in Genesis 1. Think back to the creation story. The repeating line at the end of each day is, and God saw and it was good. And what is the line in Genesis 3, verse 6? Who's the one who sees here? The woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good. You see, in the beginning, the kingdom of God meant God was in charge. God was in control. In other words, God was the only one who was allowed to see and decide what's good. That's Genesis 1. But in Genesis 3, man and woman decide that they want to see And decide what is good for themselves. And by doing so, they wrestle control of the kingdom for themselves. Let's keep going. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of them both were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then this part is so important. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Now let's remember, again, the creation creation narrative tells us that human beings are living in this perfect relationship this harmonious relationship, this shalom or peace relationship with God. In Genesis one, man and woman are in the garden and they are walking and basking in the light of God's presence. But by Genesis three, man and woman are hiding in darkness, away from God's presence. And I'm guessing some of you are familiar with this story, so you know where we go from here. God banishes Adam and Eve from the garden, and they have two sons, Cain and... Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out in the field. And while they were there in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Once again, the creation narrative God gives birth to a good, very good world, and that is a world teeming, filled, flourishing with life. But then by Genesis 3, as a result of human rebellion, creation is now living under the threat of death. Are you with me here? Let's review. In a matter of a few pages... Human rebellion has moved our story in an entirely new direction. Human rebellion has moved our story from kingdom to chaos, from light to dark, and from birth to death. Now, this is the human story. This is the theme of the story that I began our time with, and this is the unfortunate human tendency that we see played out time and time again throughout human history. You can keep reading in the Bible. Some of you may remember the nation of Israel. Remember them? Through Abraham, later on in Genesis, a man named Abraham receives a promise from God, and that promise is that through Abraham, God would give birth to a holy nation, And this nation, they would shine the light of God's goodness and love to the entire world. And through leaders like Saul and David and Solomon, God establishes Israel as a strong kingdom. But if you keep reading, the Old Testament tells the story that due to the constant rebellion of the people of Israel and their leaders against God, their kingdom quickly collapses into chaos and the people, they're scattered into the darkness of exile in nations like Babylon, and just like that, the nation of Israel is dead, you see? Let's take a more modern example, if we could. Think about our own country, if you will. You see, the birth of the United States of America was literally founded on this idea that we would be a new kind of nation, The language we used was that the United States would be a city on a hill, a beacon, literally a light of hope to the world. And very quickly, the United States became a dominant global superpower. Today, we live in one of the strongest kingdoms that the world has ever seen. And yet, you only have to turn on the news or go to Twitter for about five seconds before you start to see that our once all-powerful U.S. Kingdom is in many ways living in chaos right now. Whether it's a border crisis or healthcare or gun rights and gun violence to an explosive and divisive political landscape or whatever you and your family were fighting about over the dinner table for the last three days, I don't know. And please, I want you to hear me here. I recognize and I know that there is so much that we have to be grateful for for how great our country is. But regardless of what you think about any of these issues politically, there is no denying that our once powerful U.S. kingdom is in many ways living in chaos. Our light of hope to the world has some dark, dark blemishes that we are going to have to reckon with. And if we do not, it is very clear that the way that we are currently living is in many ways leading us on a path towards death and destruction. But this, with this story, you don't even have to think of nations and governments. You can go outside of that. You can think of the world of sports, right? In 1984, my beloved Chicago Bulls drafted Michael Jordan from the University of North Carolina. This was the birth of a new era for our team, Right? and we had bright days of light ahead, and for nearly an entire decade, the Bulls had a dynasty. One of the greatest kingdoms that professional sports has ever seen. But then what happened? Michael retired the second time, right? and the kingdom was thrown into chaos. The light of the 90s was over, and if you have watched The Bulls recently, which I don't know why you would, we are in dark, dark times, my friends. And even when we thought we had the birth of a new super team, we saw the death of Derek Rose's knees, <laughs> and the fall of another kingdom. The point is, this is the human story. If we're honest with each other, more often than not, this is the seemingly natural progression of human history. And I'm sure if you were to look at your own life this morning, I'm sure you could think of a time where the kingdom of your finances, right? Everything was good, you were making good money, you had a nest egg, your family was in a good position. But I bet you can think of a time when the kingdom of your finances was thrown into chaos because of the loss of a job, or a company going under, or just a mismanagement of finances, whatever it was. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in chaos, grasping at straws. I'm willing to bet that you could think of a relationship in your life. Maybe it's a marriage, or a relationship with a friend, or a parent, or or a child. And that relationship, it used to be such a source of beauty and light in your life. But recently, maybe because of lies or a betrayal or even just a lack of intentionality and time together, recently that once bright spot, that once bright relationship now, that relationship feels distant and dark. Others of you, uh, you can think about your faith and you experienced maybe even recently a new birth right, an awakening to the truths and the love of God, and it was so exciting, it was so good, you were growing in your faith, you were active in church, but maybe recently things have started to change, you're, you're, you're beginning to maybe ask some more questions, or you walk into church and you're feeling burnt out because you're serving so much, or, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just feeling stale, And your once vibrant, new faith, now you're sitting here this morning and you're feeling spiritually dead. This is not just the human story throughout history, but this is the story of many of us sitting here in this room. Kingdom to chaos. Light to dark. Birth to death. From Genesis 3 down to you and me, this is the human story. But...
1: This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests.
0: Something I find so interesting about that passage and that story in Luke chapter 2 and throughout many of the other gospel accounts is the language that is used. You see, in addition to Luke, the rest of the gospel writers do something so interesting in telling their story of the birth of Jesus. They all use creation language. If you read it closely, just like Genesis 1, Luke and Matthew and John, they all open their gospels with those same three themes. Themes of light, birth, and kingdom, and I think what these biblical writers are trying to communicate to us, what they're trying to say is they're saying that this birth of Jesus, in a way, this is re-creation. This birth of Jesus, this is new creation. What they're saying is Jesus is turning back the clock. Jesus is turning everything around. What they're saying is with his birth, Jesus is restoring and recreating God's original intention and design for the world. Listen to the story again. 2,000 years ago, God's people were still living in chaos. Only this time it wasn't exile in Babylon. This time they were living in the chaos under a different oppressive government, the Roman Empire, And after centuries of silence from God, the Hebrew people's dream of a coming Messiah, a Savior, this dream was all but dead. But then, just as we read, one night out of that darkness, a light burst forth. A star rose in the east announcing the birth of a Savior, and those dead dreams of God's people were given new hope and new life. And the angels proclaimed that this Savior, this Messiah, would save the people from their sin, ushering them out of their chaos, and that this Savior would establish God's kingdom forever. You see, in Jesus, the entire trend of human history is flipped backwards and upside down. Jesus changed the entire narrative of the human story Because while humanity moves kingdoms into chaos, what Jesus does is he enters into our chaos and brings God's kingdom. While humanity moves light into darkness, Jesus reaches into our darkness and shines his glorious light. While humanity naturally moves from birth to death, Jesus enters into death and offers us a rebirth, a new life. Jesus is the way back to life, light, and the kingdom of God. That's what the birth of Jesus is all about. That's what this announcement in the first century was all about, and in this season of Advent, we are invited to remember that while human history has moved in this negative direction, and while it might still seem in our own lives that we are moving in this negative direction from, from birth to death, from light to dark, kingdom to chaos. Advent is a reminder that we actually await a more hopeful future, a future where all of that is flipped backwards and upside down. You see, what we have in the birth of Jesus is we have a promise of a future that abolishes human chaos and establishes God's rule and reign, his kingdom. We have the promise of a future reality that brings an end to darkness and a reality where it is eternal light shining forever. We have the promise of a world where there is actually no more death but there is a new birth of a new creation. And so now, as we close, um, I want to actually lead us in a time where we are invited to enter into this anticipation of God's coming light Life and kingdom. Because I want us to be very, very clear this announcement, this flipping and turning of the tables, this was not just good news for shepherds in a field 2,000 years ago, but this continues to be good news for those of us gathered here today. And one of the most famous songs that we sing during the Advent season is the song, O Come Emmanuel. And that word, Emmanuel, literally means God with us. And what this song does is it invites us to enter into the experience of the Jewish people in the first century who were living in darkness and chaos and were feeling the sting of death. But from the middle of it, they eagerly awaited God to come and be in their midst. And so right now, wherever you're at in the room, I want to ask you to stand if you're able. And I want to ask you uh, to take a posture uh, where you put, place your hands out in front of you like this, with your palms facing up. And the reason that we take this posture, it, it's a symbol that, God, we are open to you and you entering into our lives through Jesus this season. We're open to that. And, and what we're going to do, I wanna lead you through a time of sort of call and response prayer, and the band is gonna play. And I want us to specifically focus on the areas in our own lives where we are experiencing chaos, where we feel like we're caught in darkness, and even when we have been confronted with the realities of death. And so what I'll do is I'll prompt you with a thought or a specific area of your life to think or pray about, and then John and the team will lead you in singing the repeated line of this song, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And in doing this, what we are doing is we are inviting God into that chaos, into the darkness, into the death that we experience. You see, instead of just denying it and pretending like that stuff doesn't exist and being happy because it's the Christmas season, what the Advent season is actually all about is it's actually about entering into the questioning and into the hurt and into the pain, both with honesty that it It can be hard, but also with hope that God is on the way in the person of Jesus. And so right now, I want us to just sing that line, O come, O come, Emmanuel. that posture. Now I I want you to turn your attention to those of you who are perhaps experiencing some chaos in your life right now. Maybe it's a crazy work schedule, year-end deadlines for you students in the room. Maybe it's the pressure of finals or like we said to start this service, this time of year can get really busy and busyness often leads to chaos. You have family parties to attend, you have gifts to buy, you have decorations, all of these things. Or maybe you're looking past this season and you're looking to next year. But you know, like we talked about earlier, it's an election year and you know things are about to get really chaotic again and you're not looking forward to that. I know for myself, um, I feel like my mind can often just be like a center for chaos. Like I have a million thoughts a day about how I'm not working hard enough. I'm also not spending enough time with my family and how do I do those things at the same time. And my chaotic mind often leads me to live a chaotic life. And so whatever chaos you are experiencing right now, God, we invite you into our chaos to bring your kingdom. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. a time for those of us who feel as though we may be stuck in darkness in this season. Um, maybe it's the darkness of depression or anxiety. Maybe it's uh, an addiction or some sort of substance abuse. Maybe for you, I know this is true for my family, um, it's the darkness of a season of unemployment, uh, a lack of provision perhaps, a season just of loneliness. Maybe you're a college student and you this is your first semester away from your family. I know for me, again, I I am waiting. I'm in a season of waiting right now for, for direction for what God has next for my life. And if you've ever been in that type of season where you're waiting for direction from God, that path can feel really dark sometimes. And so now, in this room, whatever the darkness we are facing, God, we invite you into our darkness to bring your light. Oh, come, oh, come. Emmanuel oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. And then finally, uh, for those of us who are feeling the sting of death this season, and I don't want to rush over this one, I know there are some of you in this room where this is going to be the first Christmas without someone in your family. And that became very real and very apparent perhaps this past week with Thanksgiving. Um, Or maybe it's not necessarily your family, but maybe it's someone you know. Maybe it's a friend. For me, my pastors experienced an unexpected death in their family this year, and I want to lift them up during this time. But again, maybe it's not a physical death. Maybe for you, it's actually the death of of a relationship this year or the death of a dream or even just the death of how you thought your life was going to go and something happened this year where that changed and you're going to have to die to that but whatever death we are facing in this room right now God we invite you into that death believing that you are bringing new life